The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of Starnes Media Group or KWAM. Jim Shoemaker, Steve Anderson, and Ted Miner are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, good morning and welcome to the program. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Welcome to Talk Money. Well, this morning we have got a program that is loaded to bear. I mean, I'm excited about what we're going to be talking about because we have heard your questions, we have listened, and everybody is saying, what is going on in the market? Or with the market, you might say. A lot of volatility for the first 25 days of January. And the reality is uh, we're going to find out, I think, some of the things we need to know but also probably going to find out that we need to control our emotions. But my first guest today, I'll tell you, Rusty Leonard's going to be with us. He is the founder and of founder and actually the CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. We have Steve Anderson. He is going to be with us also. He's going to talk about some of the things that just what he shares with clients when it comes to build, all the volatility that's going on. And last but definitely not least is Ted Miner and really answering the question of why is Social Security a part of everybody's I guess bottom bottom line is your planning strategy, and that's what we want to find out. Why is Social Security so important? You don't want to miss that part of the program. But first and foremost, Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council, a frequent guest of ours. Welcome to the program, Rusty. Hey, thanks. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, sir, and to to be able to talk about all the things that I want to talk about with you. It's just because so many people are concerned. I mean, I think it's legitimate. I mean, really, there's been this whole uproar, this this continued volatility. We know, we know what volatility is all about, but it seems like the first part of this whole year, 2022, volatility has been kind of the... Um, common word. We're talking about it all the time. So in your opinion, what's going on in the financial markets? Well, there's always tons going on in the financial (laughs) markets, but it's very uh, fascinating that, you know, you had the start of the new year and, you know, maybe I think we had one or two updates and then just collapsed, right? And uh, it's almost like uh, everybody got together for their New Year's Eve parties and said, you know, this is crazy. And, uh, And of course, the markets were in pretty much of a crazy land. And the the Fed, I think the main problem that the markets faced is that the Federal Reserve uh, got way behind where it needed to be to fight this inflation beast. And the inflation beast came out pretty quick, quickly. The Fed tried to ignore it and say, well, it's just a transitory problem. And the, the average investor should have been on the Fed and start, should have started selling stocks you know, about the middle of last year probably. But they didn't. They were too happy making the money and going along with the bubble. So – it wasn't until the Fed came out in early January and said, you know, this is pretty bad. We're going to have to fight this inflation thing and kind of put the, the fear of God into the, the markets and kind of recentered everybody's uh, vision on the real problem and what the Fed was going to have to do about that. And so that that is really, I believe, what triggered it. It was uh, the Federal Reserve finally waking up to doing their job 
and bursting, you know, piercing that bubble that had you know, gone on for much too long. Rusty, do you find when you talk about the Fed and, and going through that, the problem with, I mean, Chairman Powell, I mean, is carrying a big, big weight. And, I mean, the reality is he's had two resignations. He's had one, well, two retirements, one resignation. And the president has nominated, and I would say, would you call the guys that he's nominated, and I'm going to throw this out, dovish on inflation or hawkish? Dovish, definitely ah. on the dovish, dovish side of the equation. So he, that's not going to make his job any easier if he's got some some uh, people now surrounding him. Of course, they're not approved yet, but they'll likely get approved. Likely to get and, approved, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know they'll be surrounding him and putting weighing in and trying to put the brakes on any effort to uh, raise interest rates and forestall the uh, inflation beast. And that's probably all the more so going to be true between now and the election in November, because uh, obviously if the Fed is raising interest rates into that election, that's going to be calming or you know, putting a squeeze on economic growth and you know, generally making people feel miserable because the markets will also be showing the impact of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this question. I've heard this said, and I've you, know, you listen to people that can reminisce and talk about history. And <laughs> would you call this volatility that we've got? I mean, we've had 2022 is leading us out in this this mindset of you know volatility, but we had volatility last year. It just seemed like the market you know couldn't couldn't do wrong last year. But we definitely had volatility when it comes to 2020. But here's the thought: with the idea behind, okay, we've seen this all this up and down movement that we've had. Are we looking at a bubble here? I mean, I've, it's amazing how many people talk about it. the internet bubble, the great financial crisis. Should this be on our mind? Are we talking about a bubble with what's been going on for the last two years? And now is this the kind of the beginning of the downturn? Yes, I think that is exactly what's likely to happen. Of course, nobody can tell the future. We're making our best uh, estimates. But clearly, we were in a bubble. Uh, the Fed was pumping and pumping and pumping and you know printing, printing some money in, into the marketplace through its uh, quantitative easing policies, its bond, bond buying. And they're now going to back off on all that. And we're, they're still doing it. Even as we speak, they're still actually buying bonds. But that's going to stop in March. And so that's liquidity. The you know, Monetary liquidity is like the bloodstream of the financial markets. And so when that is reduced, uh, it's going to have a, an impact on the financial markets in some way or another, one way being interest rates being higher. Uh, so, so yes, we are. they did create a massive bubble. They went way overboard on that. They should have hit the brakes much, much sooner. They didn't. They're way behind where they need to be, and they've got a lot of catch-up. And that catch-up process could be painful for the financial markets because, unfortunately, because of the bubble, investors also need to catch up with reality. They're kind of behind where they ought to be in terms of their own thinking. And they, you know, there's still this mindset that, you know, the markets never go down kind of thing. And, uh, you know, they're getting awakened to the fact that uh, there is volatility. It is quite normal. It happens all the time. We go through big sell-offs uh, from time to time. And we're likely, you know, we've already had a big sell-off, but it could get worse. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be a direct straight line getting worse. It could be something that plays out over the course of uh, many months. Over many months. Well, again, that's uh, steady the course and don't get too emotionally involved in it and try to see, you know, make some plans and do some things. I appreciate you saying that. I guess I'm thinking, does that lead us into a recession or, or is that a possibility that this quote unquote bubble creates a recession or causes a recession that um, that's going to really change kind of the playing field? Increasingly, that's a risk. Uh, and it, a lot will be t depend on the Fed. 
uh, and what, how they approach this. They, the Fed often makes mistakes on both the upside and the downside. They're guessing just as, as the rest of us are. They don't have a, a crystal ball that works better than anybody else's, really. Uh, and so they're, they're doing their best, but they often overshoot. And, and I think the risk of overshooting on the downside for the Fed uh, right now is higher than normal because they, they know they really overstayed their welcome on the upside with the market. So they're very intent, and uh, I'm sure they're going to be very intent upon you know slaying this inflation beast, regaining their the uh, reputation they have for keeping inflation under control, and, and hopefully we'll see that happening. All right. That's what I want to come back after we take the break. We'll hopefully we'll see that's what's going to happen. Now, my question after the, after we take the break, my question is going to be, do you think investors really have confidence in the Biden administration? That's number one. And I really want to talk about what's happening in the Ukraine and what's the play with China. You do not want to miss that. If you just tuned in, my guest at this moment is Rusty Leonard. Coming up after Rusty, Steve Anderson. We're going to interpret what's happening all over the place with the volatility. And Ted Miner is going to talk about Social Security. And is it the best financial strategy that we all have? Does it form the basis of what we do? Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute with Rusty Leonard and those two questions, the Biden administration and China and the Ukraine. So stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Rusty Leonard or Stewardship Partners. The views and opinions expressed are those of Rusty Leonard only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to KWAM, the mighty 990. Just want to remind you that if you can find the show on our Apple podcast or your Spotify, wherever you happen to listen to podcasts, Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Subscribe to the podcast, of course, and leave us a, a nice, a nice review. I mean, well, you can just leave us a review, whether it's nice or not. That's okay with us. Bottom line is, just go ahead and, and subscribe to the podcast. My guest, Rusty Littert, we're talking about really the, some ideas around the volatility of what's going on in the market. Rusty, of course, is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners and Investment Council, and he is a frequent guest of ours. And Rusty, before the break, we had talked about all the things as far as the Fed's concerned. Are we in a financial crisis, a bubble possibly? And really, I want to know, do you feel the Biden administration currently, as things are working out today, have the has the has they have the confidence of investors to get all this I mean, there's a lot going on. Your thoughts? There is a lot going on. And uh, I think uh, people are, you know, certainly the Biden administration's track record is pretty poor. The average person, let alone just investors, but the average person doesn't have a lot of confidence in in President Biden at the moment, sadly. And, uh, you know, he needs to put some wins on the board in order to regain that, that confidence. But he's really in a bad spot to pull that off. He doesn't have, he has kind of control of the Congress, but not really. And so he's not been able to push through any legislation that he wants, thankfully, because I think you and I would at least agree that much of what he wants to push through was uh, probably not going to be helpful in the long run. So, uh, so no, I don't think he has the confidence of investors, but I don't, don't know if, if investors are really as focused on Biden as much as they are on uh, the Federal Reserve and its policies, which we'll hear more about later today because they're going to be reporting out from a meeting that they conclude today. It'll be an important meeting later th- uh, this afternoon, and uh, also on the international situation, where 
unfortunately, Biden's track record isn't very strong in terms of uh, you know, dealing on foreign policy. Yeah, foreign policy is not one of his strengths. You're exactly right. So that leads me to ask the question about China and the Ukraine. I mean, this is a uh, I just I see this as the beginning of something that we really don't want to see the beginning of, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, China. Well, China is, is a very fascinating story. We could do a whole show on China. Uh, <laughs> Good idea. We'll do that. <laughs> they're making a lot of noise on all different kinds of uh, fronts, but uh, primarily as, as it impacts us directly initially is the uh, Taiwanese, the threats they're making to Taiwan and wanting to pursue, potentially pursue military activity against Taiwan to bring it back into the Chinese fold. Uh, that is something that, uh, you know, just can't be allowed to happen, I, I don't think. Uh, but we don't really see a policy coming from the Biden administration that's uh, maybe clear enough on that front, stern enough on that front to potentially deter China. So uh, that's a worrisome development. Uh, And it's a worrisome development, not just for investors, but in general terms. But for investors, that's what we're focusing on today. Obviously, there's a lot of semiconductor manufacturing that comes out of Taiwan and uh, a lot of other things, too, that uh, it's a big exporter. And it those things could be negatively impacted. So that's that, that's not good. But one of the other things that China's facing is it's got a, probably a bigger bubble than we do in its real estate business, and it's falling apart. That bubble's been pierced. We're seeing Chinese real estate developers going bankrupt with uh, some consistency. And, uh, and that concerns me in the sense that uh, the communist leadership there may want to distract their population away from the economy blowing up and uh, which it hasn't blown up yet, but it's on the on the brink of doing that. It slowed down quite a, quite a bit. But if it all of a sudden falls into a recession, the leadership there may want to distract the uh, the populace away from that by you know engaging in some warfare with Taiwan. So I think the bubble bursting in China actually is a threat to uh, Taiwan, which is kind of a weird weird way of seeing it. But that's probably from a political perspective how it would work out. That's a great point. So that's one side of the equation. The other side of the equation is Ukraine and Russia. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, uh, as we were speaking, I have my headphones on, and I'm listening to Bloomberg, and they announced that the U.S. has told all U.S. citizens to leave Ukraine immediately. So I think that tells you what we need to know know about that. They don't want to—I guess President Biden doesn't want to see another Afghanistan-type situation where— uh, you know, he doesn't act quickly enough to get people out before uh, the country falls to uh, a foreign power. Uh, so, yeah, so we're going to have, you know, almost certainly uh, Russia will intervene in Ukraine, take it over. And the question will be what exactly will be the sanctions and how will they negatively impact uh, Western economies like our own and Europe? Uh, it's not clear yet exactly how far it will go. If you really want to get Russia, you put restrictions on their export of oil and gas uh, because that's their lifeblood. But by doing so, you hurt yourself. And I can't see uh, Biden making that choice prior to the election either because there's no way he wants to be uh, seeing much higher gas prices because the supply of oil has been decreased due to his own sanctions. So before the election, at least. So uh, I think Biden's in a tough spot. Uh, They have other sanctions that they can put on that will have less of an impact on the economy elsewhere. But then you have to worry about, you know, how will Putin respond to those? And are we going into another nasty Cold War period? Has, you know, we've had this beautiful, lengthy period of time post the Cold War where, you know, economies could prosper without fear of global warfare. Are we always going to have to be worrying that one of these little skirmishes will blow up into something else? Those are, those are some of the concerns that, you know, 
investors are going to be facing uh, perhaps in the weeks and months and maybe even years ahead. So uh, it doesn't mean that the terrible things are going to happen, but it's just that you'll be able to see the threat of them on the horizon, and that will be a little disquieting for investors, I think. That creates a little bit of that turmoil that just occurs when the market's uh, a little, when you're not sure or you're not confident. I know some people just talk about the fact that we're going to see a change in Congress where it may go it switch from Democratic control to Republicans. That puts the gridlock, and that's a positive, but for the market, because the market seems to like the gridlock. But let me ask you this. Last question. Give me some good news. <laughs> well, you know, we have a, as human beings, we have a fascination with bad news, right? That's exactly uh, right. In the, in the, uh, in the press, they they, uh, they have the line: "If it bleeds, it leads." In other words, uh, they they only talk about the bad news, as we all know. You turn on your news, and it's bad news, bad news, bad news. But frankly, if you look around, we're overwhelmed with good news. We just don't choose not to concentrate on it, and and our news sources choose not to concentrate on it. So there's just tremendous. Uh, you know, the United States of America has all kinds of problems right now. We guess we have a bubble. We have all kinds of things. But we've had this before. We got through all of it, and uh, and went on to higher heights. Uh, so we, we trust that uh, the Lord's blessing will continue to, to pour out upon this country and upon many other countries as well, and that even if we do have to go through a rough patch, that at the end of the day, uh, we'll see uh, recovery from all that and growth and you know, a lot more good tidings on, on the horizon. You know, you, you say that we've been through this before, and, we, and so many times we can go back in our history. You and I have been in this business a long time reality is we do we get through it we get we survive and you what you have to be careful with is you don't get so panicky that you leave the market you just stay focused on what your long-term plan is i so much appreciate you sir what you do and you always do it in such a way that it's easy to understand for me and that's that's a good thing i have been talking with rusty leonard founder and ceo of stewardship partners investment council my friend thank you sir have a wonderful day You too. Looking forward to next time. Absolutely. You know, I think it's uh, important for us to understand as Rusty gives us so much information and we look at it and we dive into it. I like what he does. He gives us the overall view from a guy that's in this 24-7. I'm impressed that he's multitasking. He's talking to us and got his earphones on listening to Bloomberg. I can't do that. I don't have that ability. My wife does. She's got kids. So obviously a child, a bunch of children, you can also do that with multitasking. But here's a guy that does a pretty good job multitasking, and I really want to lean in with him. Steve Anderson, Certified Financial Planner with Shoemaker Financial. What's the good news? Yeah, I, I would say, Jim, thanks, thanks for, uh, thanks for, it's a great question. And in reality, I think what we tend to do is we tend to get hyper-focused on what's right in front of us, right? And we lose that long-term perspective. There's a slide that uh, J.P. Morgan puts out in a, in a public, on a public website you can go to. It's called Guide to the Markets. And the data they're pulling from is, is from FactSet. And um, this slide, it talks about time, diversification, and returns. And what it sets up is it looks at the volatility of returns in the stock market over one-year periods of time, five-year periods of time, 10-year periods of time. And so just to illustrate this idea that time is our friend and that we need to focus on long-term, when you look at stocks, according to, the, according to FactSet, when you look at stocks, in a one-year period of time from 1950 to 2021, the range of returns were positive 47%, which I'll sign up for, down to a negative 39% which I'll let you 
you can have that one, Jim. That, that's not for me. <laughs> right? So, there's, Did you notice that? I mean, what's wrong with that picture? Go ahead, there, Steve. So there's a huge range of outcomes, and that's why we all sit around and scratch our heads like, oh, what's going to happen? You know, it's, it, I mean, 47 down to negative 39, that's a big swing. But when you stretch the timeline out to 10 years, the range of outcomes is only negative 1%. Negative 1% from 1950 to 2021, negative 1% was the worst rolling 10-year outcome in that entire time frame and up to positive 19. So what that tells us is long-term, if you're trying to get in and out of the markets and predict what's going on, it's kind of a futile exercise because long-term, you have a much better probability of a positive result if you just hang in there. You know, we always say that the... Reality is past performance is not an indication of future performance, but you just gave us the reality of the swing. And we all love the upswing, but we all get this fear. And what you're saying is if we just manage our emotions during this downswing, you live to enjoy the upswing. So, so important. I know I was reading recently, we actually did some research and found out that 40 of the last 50 years, the average for the S&P, that's from 1972 to 2021, the average gain for the S&P has been 11.1% per year total return. Now, you know, obviously a past performance is not an indication of future. That's right. But it's a, it's a pretty good indicator that if you just stay the course. When we come back, I want you to dive into some things like, you know, the idea behind inflation. What do we play with? Those thoughts like that. Bonds, the Fed. Just explain it to us and continue that discussion this morning on the market. What's going on? I'm Jim Shoemaker. You want to stay with us? This is Talk Money. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Welcome back. I just want to remind you that you can find this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. All you have to do is search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. We would appreciate it. My guest is Steve Anderson, Certified Financial Planner with Shoemaker Financial, and Ted Miner, Retirement Income Certified Professional, also with Shoemaker Financial. We're talking about the kind of the, the mindset and what's the upside of the market. And, you know, we just had Rusty talk through us some issues, and we, he talked about the economy. He talked about the Fed, you know, China, the Ukraine. All of these things are definitely headwinds, things that we have to be sensitive to and aware of, and yet understand that volatility is a natural part of the market. Um, it's kind of like breathing, <laughs> I think it may have been this week. The market was down a thousand points and finished oh. up a hundred. I don't know if it was what is this week. I mean, that's it's just the natural part of the market, and it happens, and we live with it. Now, if you become one of those persons that decide they want to check it by them every hour on the hour, that can be nerve wracking. We don't recommend you do that. We recommend that you let the professionals do that and you kind of enjoy the phone calls from those guys. And I have two professionals with me. Steve, 
I want to talk with you and Ted. I want you to stay with us and, and kind of get to give us some insight too. But Steve, first and foremost, when we talk about volatility, you kind of mentioned some ideas of what volatility is like with your thoughts before the break on the 50 years rolling tens. What do you say to people when you're meeting with someone? I mean, they're, they're all nervous. I mean, I understand that. They're emotionally, it's, it's, I guess t- uh, you said it, Ted, and I know, Steve, you said it, and I, I'm absolutely positive Rusty said it. The the news leads with the bleeds with the leads with the bleed or whatever it was. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What I bleeds don't, leads. Well, bleeds yeah. leads, exactly. And that's reality. So what do you say, Steve, to people who are struggling this time of the year with this? Well, it, it's an emotional it's an emotional struggle. So it's 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 hard to tell someone what they feel is not right. Right. So uh, it, it's difficult because there are we all have these cognitive biases. We talk about these a lot of times on here and there's emotional ones and there's cognitive ones. And if it's a cognitive issue, if it's a mental thing, then I can show you a graph and get you out of it. But if it's emotional, if you're watching your nest egg, you, you just stepped into retirement and market drops 10 percent <laughs> and your money drops. And I, look, I, I could show you all sorts of charts and graphs, but the fact is really what what most people need in that circumstance is a little handholding, a couple extra meetings, thinking through how to just deal with it. Um, and sometimes, frankly, just throwing away passwords and logins to your investment <laughs> just, accounts is, is a great away. strategy. As we say sometimes when you've gotten yourself in trouble, step them away from the hole, put hole and put the shovel exactly. down. All right, guys, I want to ask you this, Steve, because I, I want to you said it. It's it's that emotional side. What do you say? How do you hold the hand of a client? Yeah, um, well, always some level of education is important. Um, but usually the best thing to do is to step back and look at the plan that we laid out and just remind them that in that plan, there were good days and there were bad days in the market. And frankly, if somebody comes in and their plan relies on the market to go up all the time, I, I don't know how else to say it. That's a bad plan, that's right? A bad plan. You, that's not how you when you build and when you build a distribution strategy, you should always focus on having a couple three to five years worth of distributions that you're going to take out should not be sitting in stocks because what we're watching happen. Happens all the time. In fact, Ted mentioned you mentioned a slide in that same guide to the markets deck slide deck that J.P. Morgan puts out that really is perfect perspective Absolutely. for that. It's, it's it's great numbers and and Steve, I do the exact same thing you do. Is I sit down. Number one, a lot of people don't understand the market. We may not understand it completely, but right. we understand it probably better than most people do. But when you look at those numbers, and the slide we're talking about actually shows the history, the last forty years of history. 1980 to 2020, and it shows, it's really interesting, it shows where the market starts on January the 1st of every year. It shows where it finishes up, but it also has another very interesting piece. It shows how low it goes during the year, and and the average drop in the market from January the 1st of every year is 14%. I would be nervous <laughs> if I was watching a 14% drop. But yeah. that's what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's, exactly it. it's just na- it's average. It's We're not even happen. average yet. Right. That's right. So and the key is, what do you do? That, well, I think that, that education is very important. Along with the same thing, we, we're sitting here and we had a 33% drop just uh, two, years two years ago. ago. 
And in 2019, 2018, we had a 19% drop. Came back in a month. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't always come back that fast. Past performance is not an <laughs> indication of future performance. But we, we have right. to say but, that. But we've seen this in recent history. Yes. We've seen this recently, and the market respond well to it. You know, we are, we are creatures of habit, and we don't have a long-term memory. And, you know, we just don't. I mean, fortunately, we don't. I think God's given us that to not dwell on the past as much. But we do have a fear of what, you know, when it's our money. It's, uh, you know, and I'm kind of thinking about what am I going to do if I lose 20 percent? Well, we don't lose 20 percent unless we what? Cash it out. That's right. (laughs) That's That's what we try to say. Hold on. It's called volatility. You've given us some great stuff. Let's talk about a couple of things that's on your mind, Steve, because I know you watch this very closely. You do a lot of analytical work for your clients, and you're thinking about inflation. What's your topic on that? Yeah, well, when you think about inflation, uh, I guess a stepping back point would be why in the world? is this really an important topic? And I think a lot of times people have, they, they talk about inflation, they really don't even know why it's important. And the reality is, if, if, if there was a world without inflation, so the Fed, one of their two main objectives is to create a little inflation. And they've arbitrarily picked 2%. Academics argue whether that makes sense or not, but it is what it is, right? But some level of inflation is important because if you, if you could just stick all your money in the bank and it was always going to be worth that amount, what incentive would there ever be for that money to move out into the market and be used by so by used by somebody to build a business and there wouldn't be so or what build inflation a building yeah that's right and so what inflation does is it takes us it takes money from us that are saving money and it gets it into the economy it, it, it incentivizes us to move that money out in the economy and get used so a level of inflation is good there can be too much inflation though when I go to try to fill up my F-150 and it's twice as much as it was, well, that's painful. So somewhere in the middle is, is what's, what's appropriate. And it is a little bit arbitrary, like we said. But inflation is a good thing when it's held in check. And so the Fed has a tough job because they're trying to give us some, but not too much. Right. And, and, and that's just that it's a tough that's a tough situation to be in, especially coming out of a global pandemic and all the things that we've had. I think the term inflation, when we as you mentioned that, and I think this is what a lot of people we have not had inflation for such a long yeah. period of time. It's kind of like, you know, whatever is a dread and the dread being the word inflation, because there are a lot of people, especially the baby boomers who are retiring today, think and remember the inflationary period from the late 70s when Mr. Reagan was elected in 80. And all of a sudden he gets in there and you get, you know, you have to control that. And, you know, Volcker was really there and, and wrote the book on how to control inflation. And, you know, Greenspan took us forward with that and literally actually created this economy that almost no inflation. Right. And you're right. We need a little, you know, and the feds, we've talked about this for 10 years. The feds been going, we need a little inflation, 2%, 2%. But it's not always easy to do. Now it's all of a sudden jumped to 7%. And we talked to Bob Dahl recently. And, you know, he talked about last week that hey, he thinks by the end of the year, it'll come down to three and maybe three is healthy. And that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah. And 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 it's really easy to, to look around right now and say, gosh, it costs a ton of money to ship things. And Milk and eggs are expensive and the gas is expensive. And and it so it feels alarming. But, you know, one one fact I saw the the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics or the the Census Bureau put out um, some information about goods and services. And I find this fascinating that when the economy shut down. How much was spent on services during that time? Oh, yeah. None. Right. None. Good spending went up 
thirty or forty percent during that during like the midst in the midst of COVID, and it's still up twenty six percent since COVID started, according to the Census Bureau. And so, if you just take a healthy economy, and you inject every you just everybody stops going and getting their nails done, getting massages, going to eat out, you stop all the services, and you just pour all that money into you know spending money on goods. Well, you're going to create a problem in a healthy economy, let alone what we came through. And so it's reasonable to be fearful. But at the same time, argue people who would argue on the side of inflation coming down would say, well, some of that's now starting to sort itself out. And that should really help to ease inflation. And I think there's a good point. To that. I think it's a very good point. I was reading from the Bureau of Labor Statistics talking about new cars. You know, cars in 2021, we saw a new vehicle at that point was 37.3 percent up. Wow. I mean, that's a ton. Yeah. Now it's settled back down beginning this year, down to 11.8 percent. And I think um, the used vehicles up 30 some percent. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's right. But I mean, that's the bottom line is we're seeing the move and used cars are are a little more expensive than, you know. So I think the reality is we're making things happen. I appreciate you. Okay, let me we talked about inflation. Uh, let me move to another subject from a standpoint of just because we're timing and stuff like this. What about do you do you see problems when it comes to growth stocks and value stocks? And we're kind of leaning to value. Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So just as as by way of background, generally what you see is when you see um, a growing economy, you typically will see a lot of the value type stocks do better than the growth stocks. And so if we kind of pause that for a second, then someone might ask, well, what is a value stock or what is a growth stock? And there are a lot of different definitions, but generally speaking, a value stock would, if if you think about um, like, I've had uh, my my wife or the previous car that she owned, she would say, man, it only costs $20 to fill the thing up. Man, that was cheap. The gas in that thing is cheap. I'm like, well, hun, it's not how much it costs to fill it up. It's the price per gallon. I mean, if it holds 10 gallons, it's cheaper than filling up for 30, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it, there's, a, there's a way you compare miles driven on a, on, a te, on a per gallon of gas. So in the market, if you look at stocks that are generally cheaper than others, those would usually be called value stocks. And the stocks that are more expensive are typically growth stocks. And we see some trends as to what types of stocks fall into different places. But what we see usually is when the economy is doing well, we see the value stocks tend to perform well. Over the last couple of years, we came out of COVID. Growth stocks took out in the middle, it took off in the middle of COVID because GDP growth, the economic growth just collapsed. Growth stocks did great. A lot of those growth stocks are tech stocks. They did great. And then the economy started recovering and these value stocks really started to perform. And so the challenge now is here we are, GDP is still really high economic production is still really high, but it's now slowing because it was artificially high coming mm-hmm. out of, you know, COVID. So it's 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 still pretty good, but it, where does it go from here? And it's kind of like inflation and the Fed. It's all a guess. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's a t- again, it's another head scratcher. But Steve, I think you've done a great job because reality is allocation of our portfolio is critical. Rebalancing our portfolio is critical and allowing someone like yourself to really come along and hold your hand. I appreciate you saying that. Just helping people to not jump ship just because there's volatility in the market. That is absolutely important for everybody to know. If you'd like to talk with Steve, you can reach him at 901-757-5757. Coming up, you're going to find out how important Social Security and some of the reasons why it's so important to know the decisions that you need to make 
before you take Social Security. Coming up, Ted Miner, Retirement Income Certified Professional. You don't want to miss it. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific situation. Well, if you just tuned in, we are talking about what's going on in the market and how do you need to manage the emotions that go on when you see the market going through the volatility that it's going to go through as just part of the market, and it's especially going through that right now. I want to kind of shift, though. We've got Ted Miter here who does an enormous amount of work with his clients, especially helping them understand the benefits of Social Security. Now, when I say that, everybody says, well, I know what the benefits are. It's a check. That's exactly right. But you need to know exactly how to pick the best benefit for you. So our topic is knowing how to develop a financial strategy Using Social Security is one of the most important parts of the three-legged stool. And, Ted, talk about, you know, from a standpoint of how do you use Social Security as a part of that three-legged stool? Well, first of all, let me just say the things y'all have been talking about uh, leads a lot of importance to Social Security because it's a, it's a stream of income that's not changing. I say it's not changing, but as a matter of fact, those people got a 5.9% increase those people pay, being those people that, that, that got Social take, Security. That take Social Security. Yeah, I they, know one of them really well. They, they got that starting this month. My wife. Never mind. <laughs> because of inflation. Yeah. And, and when you're having the type of discussion you are right now, people are concerned about their assets. Those people got that 5.9% increase depending on what they decided their benefit to be, whether they chose it at 62 or 67 or 70, they got 5.9% on top of that. So it's very important to make that decision, the right decision on when to take Social Security because Social Security has a cost of living adjustment associated with it every year. I know you've talked about this before in the program that, that Social Security, on average, so from, from basically what the Social Security website says, about 40% of a person's pre-retirement income. That's an enormous number. It, it is. And of course, that includes everybody. And uh, Jim, when you look, when you look at uh, the even deeper into those statistics, you find out that even, uh, uh, even the people with higher incomes, it's a pretty significant amount. You know, you have 35 percent. You know, people have, that have good incomes, a couple, can have, uh, they can have 80, 90, by the time they're 70, they could have nearly $100,000 of income of Social Security benefits a year, which is very significant no matter where your income is. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. So here's the thought for you now. How do you get this Social Security payment correct? We've talked to people. We've had people that have asked questions. I did this. Should I have done this? Or I'm about to do this. What should I do? That's a question. Well, the College of Financial Services says that the number one mistake in financial planning, retirement financial planning, is the choice of their Social Security benefits. They choose it too early, significantly. And it happens all the time. Uh, and one of the things that, you know, when I'm sitting down talking to a client and they've been there, they really, really want to turn it on. They've worked all their lives and they're ready to turn this thing on. One of the things that I say to them, number one, is that the difference between 62 and 70 is 76%. 
That's the difference in your benefit at age 62 versus age 70. That is an enormous amount of no- dollars when you think about it. And that's not even including the colas that are that are in there. Yeah. Of course, the colas hit everything. It's just, that's a percentage. But 76% between 62 and se- uh, 70. The other thing is I say you, you don't have to make the decision today of whether to turn it on at 70 or 69 or 68. The decision you have to make today is whether you want it the next 90 days. Because you can turn it on. And you can have your check in 90 days. So when you start that process of waiting to try to increase Social Security two-thirds of a percent a month, as long as you continue to put it off, you can turn it on in 90 days. But we, we still want to plan. We like to plan. And uh, there's other benefits for that longevity that come, you know, when you got a, a couple that has a difference in income, then, then the one with the higher income is, is really make, not making a decision just for themselves. They're making a decision for the couple. So you're not just looking at your life. Uh, I'm married to, to Lily, and her and I are the same age, but she's, she, number one, she's a woman. Number two, she's, she runs. She's probably going to outlive me for by 10 years. I, I would bet on that. And, 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 and so <laughs> Not to be a good investment, That's right. Way. And so I need to make a decision because she's going to receive my she's benefit much if I die. Too. I just she want to let you know. Just she has more hair than I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even – no doubt about it. That's for sure. Let me ask you this. A lot of people think about their income stream, their need. They've got to manage that, you know, what I'm going to spend with my grandkids, what I'm going to spend on trips and stuff. How do you how do you pick that time? Is that a part of a planning process when you say that? But I mean, I know it has to do with their goals that they're looking long term. Yeah, one of the first things you do when when you're sitting down with a client, I, uh, outside of their financial inventory, and what I mean by financial inventory is, you know, IRAs, pensions, Social Security, all those things that they have to work with, is is you try to get a feel for what their expectations are in retirement. Uh, sometimes those expectations have a lot to do with the way they're living their lives today, but sometimes it's different. So we sit down and we try to have a, a meeting that allows us to understand exactly what they are wanting out of retirement. And, and then you do a, a kind of an analysis with the, with the Social Security benefit that, that most people have and uh, whether or not they have pensions, IRAs, what do they have, what other resources they have. And then we go back to Social Security to find out what Social Security can provide for them. And we talk about, then we start talking about ages and when we need to turn that on to provide what's necessary for them to reach their goals. That's a lot of, that's a lot of questions. You're going through a lot of data here. I mean, this is not just, okay, turn it on at 66. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's just not, not a set answer, is it? No, you need to talk to someone. And really, the benefits can be different. A couple's benefit, there are different strategies, whether they're the same age, whether they are, there's an age difference, whether one has a higher income than the other. There are ways to coordinate that benefit that yields a bigger uh, total amount for that couple over their lifetimes together. What I'm hearing from the two of you, Steve talks about holding the hands when the market's going crazy, the volatility. What I hear you're saying, holding a hand when you're making this type of decision. Oh, absolutely. Most people come to it having no idea the complexity of the decision to to, uh, turn on your Social Security benefits. And they regret the decision. And that's the real problem. I mean, I'm not saying that they always make a mistake. That's not the point. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's just, I guess if I was in that situation, I would want to lean into you and just say, okay, help me make the right decision or the best decision, or at least help me make a decision. Because you can sometimes get, what is it, call it, analysis or paralysis by analysis, and that's easy to do. Jim, I've got a situation right now with a young lady that uh, lost her husband. 
and she made a emotional decision, and, and uh, she's uh, uh, collecting his benefit, which was probably not the best thing for her, but I understand that. She has a year to correct that decision, and uh, we are we're working through that. She needs more information, more more uh, uh, of that information, what the, how that impacts her, and we've got a time to sit up and talk about that. Well, I think that is critical, and I just I guess what I'm saying: any changes that's going on right now that's creating problems for you when you I mean changes with the Social Security and how it's working, anything like that? Well, not really problems. There's a lot of work right now trying to help with the Social Security. They they they're trying to get the uh, the index changed that is more uh, that's better for retirees. They've increased the income, which is to increase the amount of money taken in. They've got uh, the opportunity to they want to tax higher incomes with more uh, cash to uh, to help the system to better uh, to put more money into the system for benefits for the future. So well, there's a lot of good things going on right now with Social Security. Well, guys, I so much appreciate, man, great information, Ted, great information, Steve, just super, because I think it's about holding the client's hand. I want to thank both of you guys. I want to thank Rusty Leonard, Stewardship Partners with Steve Anderson and Ted Miner. If you have questions for Rusty, you can reach him at 1-800-930-6949. And if you'd like to talk to Steve or Ted, you can reach them, of course, at 901-757-5757. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. Next week, my guest, Daniel Erdwin, Mid-South Better Business Bureau. What are the scams that's happening right now? Scott Jordan, another market update. Why? Because we believe it's important and you're asking the questions. Rob Clement will be here with Elder Financial Abuse. That's Wednesday mornings and Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. right here on KWAM, the Mighty 990. If you have questions, you would like like to be answered on the program, send them to talk money at shoemakerfinancial.com. Thanks so much for listening. We're here every week helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Steve Anderson, and Ted Miner are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.